0: Land, you have set it down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 125. My guest going 10 rounds with Rhino a little bit later on the show is LFA Rising Star Middleweight Dylan, the Mindless Hulk Vodka. It is a great one. What a fantastic up-and-coming fighter. Great guy. Really fun to get to talk to. So check that out a little bit later on in the show. All right, our intro and schedule is as follows. This week's jam-packed episode is going to have our results from the Canelo versus Bevo light heavyweight boxing match over in Las Vegas, the co-main and main events from Bellator 280, which is over in Paris, the main event from LFA 131 with our homie Daniel Argueta, gang, gang, (laughs) our breakdown of UFC 274, Drea's world-famous drop of the night, which not one person who watched the UFC last night has any doubt. What Drea's drop of the night is this week right here. (laughs) Our main card picks for Fight Night Blahovich versus Rockets next weekend. Q&A with the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned LFA 185-er Dylan Budka is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So, Drea, without further ado, let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So, last night from Las Vegas, we had Canelo Alvarez, pound for pound, top three on everybody's list. Moving up to light heavyweight to fight uh, Dimitri Bivol. This one did not go. I don't think how almost anybody outside of Beeble's camp planned it to. This one was Bebo showing his size, his strength, his accuracy, not being afraid of Canelo. Canelo showing that he's really a middleweight. You know what I'm saying? And uh mm-hmm. won. I-, I had him winning, you know, I fuck th- I think I had him winning nine, uh, eight or nine of the rounds over over Canelo. So uh Dimitri Beeble got the unanimous decision beating Canelo Alvarez, his first loss since, like, he fought Mayweather, like, a decade ago. So, huge win for b Moving into our Bellator 280 co-main and main event coverage, we had Rhino Gang member Alex Easy Paleasy doing a late or short notice, uh, kind of a call-up, I would say, a step-up. Versus Yoel Romero. It was supposed to be um, Melvin Manhoff, but he pulled out, I believe, with injury. So Easy Polizzi went in there, and Yoel Romero did throw back Yoel, dude. He was punching super hard. He was being more aggressive than he normally is. Really, really accurate with his striking. He got the TKO with one second left in the third round over Alex Easy Polizzi. Uh, Big win for Yoel in that one. Then in the main event was for the 265-pound belt over at Bellator. We had Ryan Bader getting a kind of a lackluster UD win over Czech Congo. Then moving into the LFA 131 from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, we had our man, Rhino Gang member, Daniel Argueta. See, champ even likes Daniel Argueta. He had to shake it out to hear his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fought for the 135-pound belt versus Diego Silva. Got the UD5 in that one. Then he, in a really beautiful moment, gave the belt to his mom. It was very emotional. It was beautiful. Daniel Argueta, big ups to you. Rhino gang 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 on your winning your LFA 135-pound belt. My dude. All right, let's go and get into the meat of the matters, we like to say around here. UFC 274 from Arizona last night. Our first fight was Rhino Gang member Fernie Garcia versus journey Newsome. This was kind of a tough fight to watch because Journey Newsom was throwing so many kicks, both side kicks, high kicks, low kicks. He was kicking all over the place, being very explosive. Fernie was trying to box from the outside. When they did get inside, Fernie had good success with hooks, but Journey Newsom was more accurate. He was more aggressive, and he he, he got the UD in that one. So a big win for Journey Newsom at 135 pounds. Moving into Ariani Conalosi versus Loopy Goodenaz. Wow, this one did not go the way, and it didn't. <laughs> Ariani Cannalosi from the from the beginning looked to be outmatched. Loopy was taking her down at will. When she was on the ground, she was trying submissions. She was transitioning. She was riding every time. Carnolosi tried to get up. Every time Carnolosi did get up, Loopy would take her back down. I mean, you want to talk about that incredible double leg like that she shot? It looked like a fucking. I think even DC said it like it looked like a linebacker last night smashing a running back and putting her <laughs> into the ground. Loopy Goodnez did a fantastic job. I will never doubt her again. Um, I've always liked her, but I just thought Carnolosi who was on such a good win streak and was just so strong, but man, Loopy did a great job last night getting the UD in that one. Moving into the 125-pound division, we had C.J. Vergara versus Clayton Rodriguez. This one was a really fun fight, man. They were back and forth. Both guys were landing. Clayton got a nice takedown. He had some huge kicks and a punch. Uh, C.J. came back in the second really took over dominated. He did a great job on top of the ground and pound. There was a beautiful, amazing reversal. And I know everyone who watched last night will know what I'm talking about. When Rodriguez was on bottom with C.J. on top, and he did like – I don't even know, like a bucking Bronco maneuver of some sort. It completely reversed it. Really beautiful, Mm -hmm. high-level stuff. This one ended up going to split decision. C.J. Vergara got it in that one. But Rodriguez is definitely somebody to watch at 125 moving forward. Sticking with the 125-pound division, we go over to the ladies. We had Tracy Cortez versus Melissa Gatto. Cortez got an early takedown. Um, She kind of slammed herself out of an armbar attempt from Gatto. Gatto then reversed got a takedown. There was some good grappling. There was some good, you know, exchanges. Nothing really major on the feet. Tracy Cortez got a really nice combo off and got Melissa down again. A little bit of ground and pound. She got the UD in that one over Melissa Gatto. Moving into our fifth fight, we had Andre Fialao versus Cameron Van Camp. Holy shit. <laughs> Van Camp, like, you know, try to get some respect early. You got a nice straight right that... Kind of rock Andre a little bit, shook him up a little bit, and then a huge left hook dropped Cameron, finished him. Andre Filau got the TKO in the first. Beautiful, beautiful fucking performance on that one. Dana White was very high on this guy. He talked about him a lot on the post fight presser, and uh, sounds like he's going to be fighting pretty soon <laughs> for Andre Filau. All <laughs> right, moving into our sixth fight, which was my big boys, the the 265ers. We have Lagoy Ivanov versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Um, Marcos landed some really hard hooks early. Blagoy never seems to look hurt, dude. You can hit him to the body, to the head, to the legs. He has no emotion going forward for the big Bulgarian. Um, you know, he hurt Marcos a couple times, kind of, you know, gave him the wonky legs. There was lots of clinch work in the third. Marcos did get a late takedown, but I thought Blagoy did enough. The judges saw it that way as well, so he got the UD in that one over Marcos Rogério De Lima. Our seventh fight, which actually won, uh, got fight of the night honors. <clears throat> Excuse me. Was Brandon Royval versus uh, Matt Danger? Schnell. Here, here's the thing. This one didn't go very long, right? This one, this one was finished by submission by Brandon Royval in the first. But until that happened, it looked like the cartoon shows from the fucking sixties and seventies with the dog and the cat fighting. I mean, this was incredibly fast. <laughs> they were both landing the transitions, the fucking scrambling. It was awesome. Eventually, because like I said, they both hurt each other. Eventually, Brandon Royval slapped on the uh, slapped on the choke. Danger Snell taps. What a fun fight for as long as it lasted. And both of those guys are 50 grand richer as of today. All right, moving into our eighth fight, which was Macy Chasson versus Norma Dumont. Very close fight. Very hard-fought fight. Very grueling. Lots of, when they were in space, Macy seemed to get the better of her for sure. When they got up against the cage, it was a lot of grueling, you know, grinding, trying to... Uh, you know, secure a takedown. A lot of the fans were booing. I don't, to me, you know, Macy was fighting. She was working. She was trying to improve. I was fine with Keith Peterson letting it go. Macy Chasson got the split decision in that one, which I think went to the right person. All right, let's try to find our ninth fight, which I believe, (laughs) well, I think it was supposed to be Cowboy Sorority and Joe Lozon. That one got called off. Cowboy had some got food poisoning, yeah. unfortunately. So hopefully that's gonna be uh hopefully that's gonna be rescheduled. We don't know. Moving into, so am I missing a fight? I am missing a fight. Here it is. Francisco Trinaldo. How can I miss this one? Francisco Tonaldo <laughs> versus Danny Roberts. What a fun scrap. I mean, it stayed on the it stayed on the feet almost the entire time. Francisco at 43 years old. He's older than I am. He's older than you are, Drea. This is fucking hard to wrap my head mm-hmm. around, especially for a 170. For a heavyweight, it's different, right? We've seen it. When fucking George mm-hmm. Foreman won the title at 45. Randy Couture won the title at 43. But a 170-pounder, you know what I mean? It's just you rarely see it. Yeah. He has not missed a step. The speed, the power. Um, you know, the way he moves his head still so quickly, Francisco Trinada versus Danny Roberts was a really fun fight. It was a close first round. They were both landing from the outside. And then like, from that point forward, Francisco hurt Danny three or four or five times, some beautiful inside knees to the body. Got a great, easy peasy UD in that one. The only criticism that a lot of us had, and I'm included in that was that, you know, when Francisco hurt Danny, he would immediately go in for like a guillotine, Or he would, you know what I mean, going for a clinch. Like, dude, stay out. Keep throwing punches. Keep throwing kicks. You're going to get this guy out of there. But he won nonetheless. So let's Mm -hmm. move into Chaos Williams versus Randy. Rude boy Brown. This was a fun, close fight, dude. I thought, you know, Dre, a lot of times when we watch a matchup, we see one guy landing what looks to be more, you know, clean shots, a little bit more technical. And then the other guy Mm -hmm. isn't as technical, but he seems to be doing more damage with the shots, you know what I mean? This was the case right. in this one. I thought chaos was, when he was touching Randy, was hurting him, right? Really hurting him. Right. And when Randy was just landing cleaner, more peppering kind of shots, um, this mm-hmm. one really, again, this was like split decision fest last night, but this one really could have gone either way. I was leaning towards chaos, but then again, I've got my Detroit bias, uh, of course, that was right. I really think. <laughs> so Randy Brown, Randy Brown got the split decision in that one, but that really could have gone either way. All right, moving into our 11th fight, which was... <sighs> osp versus shogun i don't like to disrespect either guy i'm a i'm a shogun fan since the pride days i like osp i always have but man this one was not fun it was like the first round here's my notes very slow start slow middle couple nice body kicks from osp couple nice leg kicks from shogun like that's all my notes for round one i was like come on dude (laughs) Shogun had more good leg kicks in the second. I don't one good left-right combo that landed on OSP. Didn't seem to hurt him at all. Not much happened again in the third OSP. Again, a couple more body kicks, a couple more jabs. I, you know, I, I didn't care, to be honest with you, who won this fight because it just wasn't a good fight. The judges mm-hmm. saw fit to give it to OSP at split decision, and that's that one. <laughs> uh, Dana did say that he is going to give Shogun one more fight, which is on his contract, and he's going to honor that. So... We got to mm-hmm. see Shogun one more time and hopefully it's with somebody else who kind of brings it out of him, right? Who, who has like a big, right. fun fight to kind of send him off into the sunset with. Alright, moving into our 12th fight. What the fuck, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I've been watching this sport since I'm 13. That's 30 years. I, You know, mm-hmm. on my one hand, could I could I calculate or count up the, the KOs that would be on the list with the KO from last night? Uh, right. Michael Chandler and Tony Furst. There aren't there. many. Right. <laughs> Tremendous matchup. <laughs> Tony looked pretty good in the first round. You know, he landed a couple big shots. Bloodied up Chandler's nose. Chandler had a nice takedown with some ground and pound. Very close first round. Within what? Like the first 30 seconds of round two. Right. Michael Chandler comes across the cage.
1: 17 seconds.
0: <laughs> How much? 17 seconds. 17 seconds. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 17 <laughs> okay. seconds. Michael Chandler comes across the cage. Throws an upkick from hell that lands completely flush on Tony's chin. Not only was he out, drea he was out, out. I mean, head to the mat, mm-hmm. no hands out, starch, and he was down for a while. We were all glad to see Tony Ferguson eventually get up from that. But whoa, whoa, whoa! What a fucking KO for Michael Chandler in that one. Incredible call-out, by the way, afterwards of Conor McGregor. I would love to see that one. I think Dana's interested in that, mm-hmm. too. I hope that one gets uh, booked down the road at 170. That'd be a lot of fun. I'm sorry that I woke up a little bit earlier because I'm going to go back to sleep now because <laughs> it was the time <laughs> for the 115-pound belt to get on the line. We had Rose Namajunas, our champ, versus Carlos Barza. Dre, I, I think one stat line will help kind of, you know, put a Cliff Notes version on what this fight was, Right. This one was 25 minutes and, yeah. and Rose landed 38 strikes and Carla landed 30. Rose had one takedown. Carla had two. This one was not good.
1: No, <laughs> neither fight. That had. was honestly one of the boring fights I've ever seen.
0: <clears throat> it was like neither one of them not only didn't have a sense of urgency, but had a sense of like, I want to fight at all. You know what I mean? There was so much circling. Mm-hmm. There was so much looking at each other. You know, uh, our homie Brat had a really funny line, and she said, uh, "Thug froze," which I thought was really funny. And <laughs> 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 but it wasn't just Rose. But here's the thing: we love to talk. We love the narrative of, "Well, <laughs> to beat the champ, you really got to take it from the champion." You know what I mean? There's a flip side of that, yeah. fam. And that is, when you're the champion, you got to fight like a fucking champion, dude. You got to bring right. the fight. You're the one that people are paying to see. You're the one with the belt. You're the one with the title. You're the one who's got to fucking look like a champion when you're performing in there. And Rose did not do that at all. Neither did Carla, but she did just enough, a little bit more than Rose did. Man. A little bit more. This mm-hmm. is not indicative of women's MMA. This is not indicative of what Rose Namajunas is capable of or what Carla Spar is capable of. It was just a bad showing last night. Man, I hope they both can bounce back with much more exciting fights so that people don't start to like, you know, associate both of them with being boring fighters. You know what I mean? Yeah, <clears throat> so that's my, sure. uh, that's our co-main. Let's go ahead and get into our main event from UFC 274, which is Charles DuBronx Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. Now, we're not going to get into this weight scale thing too deeply. Charles missed weight. He missed weight by 0.5 pounds. Is there some sort of conspiracy with the scale is there something wrong with it is something mess? that's all possible i don't know you know what i mean and i'm sure there'll be an investigation into it somehow and we'll find out but at the end of the day charles du bronx was stripped of his title not able to defend it only justin could win so they get out there and they get in the cage you wouldn't know it by charles du bronx the way he was fighting you wouldn't know it at all i mean he he even before then he was like i'm still gonna go in there put on a great performance so on and so forth and they did. They came out and they started swinging. Typical Justin Gaethje style—just fucking violence, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: New Bronx got dropped, got cut open pretty bad. Got up. Justin—he—he he, he starts fighting. He—he—he—he he, <laughs> he, uh, he tries to go forward, and Charles grabs him and then pulls guard. Which I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and so Justin Gaethje <laughs> very quickly was like, "I'm not doing that dance with you." You know what I mean? He got right back up to his feet, right. pulled back. He, he drops Charles, you know, he, he drops Charles, but then Charles dropped him. <laughs> you know what I'm and I'm going, Oh my God, what the fuck? And then, uh, Charles jumps on him and, and he tries, you know, he tries a couple different things. He kind of got really high on him. Almost had like a, like a triangle from his back on the ne- on uh, Justin's neck. But then he reversed, got back onto his back, slapped on the RNC at three minutes and 20 seconds of the first round. Charles Dubron, Solivera taps out Justin Gaethje via rear naked choke. What a whirlwind of a first round. I mean, it was so funny, Dre, to come off like a five-round snoozer to then. It was like, right. this, was like this was like in Star Wars when they go into, like, hyperdrive, right? Like I was like, holy <laughs> shit, it's going so fast. What the fuck? <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, Charles Dubronco Oliveira is now the number one contender is what, you know, we're being told. So, wow. Some real highs and some real lows for UFC 274. So, Dre, let's go ahead and get into your world famous Dre's Drop of the Night. Drop
1: the night. Well, I don't think there is any doubt on this that my drop of the night 100% has to be Michael Chandler's KO over, over, KO over the Tony Ferguson uh, 17 seconds into round two Chandler threw a bomb of a front up kick to Ferguson's chin and boom Lights out for Tony Ferguson Tony dropped to the ground out cold and Michael Chandler gets the walk-off KO. So, congrats, Michael Chandler. You get dreas drop of the night.
0: Holy fuck. That might end up being KO of the year, for real. Like, all,
1: for in sure. all combat
0: sports. My God. All right. Let's go to mm-hmm. New like, We know this train keeps on a roll. let's get into our main card picks for uh, next week's Fight Night, Blahovich versus Rakic. Our first fight is going to mm-hmm. be Alon Nascimento versus Jake Hadley. Jake Hadley coming off Dana White Contender Series, where he was... Persona non grata, apparently, according to a lot of people who work over there. <laughs> he's kind of a jerk. So I'm gonna go mm-hmm. with Alan Nasamiento, just based on his experience. Uh winning by UD in that one. What about you, Feature Play Adrea?
1: I am actually going with Jake Hadley. Um, I think he's gonna get the sub.
0: You gotta you got a round pick or just Oh, uh,
1: round two, sorry. Gotcha. Round two, sub.
0: You gotcha. All right, let's go get to our next fight, which is Davey Grant versus Louis Smolka. I've got Davy Grant winning by third round TKO. What about you, Drea?
1: <clears throat> Davy Grant with the unanimous decision.
0: All right, let's get into our fourth fight, which is uh, I got Manuel Torres beating Frank Camacho by UD. Clear cut, UD at 155. What about you?
1: Uh, I have the opposite, uh, Manuel Torres with the unanimous decision. That's what I said. I thought you said Camacho. With the. No, headless. I said Manuel Torres. Oh, did you say Manuel? <laughs> well, apparently I'm just not listening then. <laughs> so, Trey, uh, pay attention to me, Samesies. please. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading ahead. I think it threw me off because that fight was on a different place on my list, and it threw me off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so funny. All right, let's go ahead and our next one, which is at 2.05. I've got Ryan Spann beating Ion Kutalaba by second round TKO. That's TKO2. For Ryan Span over Ian Kutalaba. What about you, Drea?
1: I agree with you. Ryan Spann, <laughs> TKO, and I actually have it in the third.
0: All going right, to go to our main event. Jan Blachowicz versus Alexander Rakic. I think this is such a close fight. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun. They're both going to have like big-time success. Um, but I got to go UD, Jan, in this one. UD5, what about you?
1: <clears throat> I went back and forth on this and it's really tough for me. Um, first I was thinking Blahovich by a TKO, but I think this goes the whole fight and I think, uh, Rakic might get the unanimous decision on this one.
0: All righty. So we are opposites. He's on our main event for next week. All right. Drill's going into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from the homie RSP from up in Canada way. (laughs) RSP, (laughs) what do you got this week, dude?
1: (coughs) The SEG era of the UFC was all about which style of fighting was the best. The Zephyr era was all about the best way to market fighters to the masses. The Endeavor era seems to be all about maximizing profits. Cutting established fighters to make room for low-cost White contender series and tough alumni. Introducing interim belts as a negotiation tactic with champs seeking more money top heavy pay-per-views with half the card making their ufc debut incredibly weak fight nights all of this being noticed by fans one pfl and bellator are all gaining viewers while the ufc is losing them with the espn deal keeping profits steady will the ufc ever get to the intersection of fuck around and find out or have they done enough in the past to keep fans on board forever
0: Great question, my dude. And great job reading that, Drea. Yeah, dude. I practiced that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. I think it's forever, or at the very least, the foreseeable future, the UFC is going to be on top. UFC is a a brand that is so tied to MMA that I bet you half the population, if you surveyed them, they call MMA the UFC. Like they think UFC is the sport of mixed martial arts. Like that's how closely associated the two are. I love the growth of the other promotions, the ones you mentioned, PFL, Bellator, Juan, Ryzen, you know, Invicta, Cage Warriors. Like, I love all of them being out there on the landscape because all it does is help the sport grow. It gives fighters, you know, other places to go to perform, perform for us fans. And, you know, it gives them a chance to make a career out of something that they love doing and want to keep doing. And the UFC can't become a monopoly. You know what I mean? We can't have that. That can't be what's best for the sport. So yeah, I'm all for all the other uh, organizations growing. I'm really glad that they are. I just don't see, I just don't see any way other than like, so in pro wrestling, AEW is kind of like the upstart competition of WWE. They had a billionaire, you know, whose, whose son was a huge wrestling fan and just like started a company. And has actually been done really well the past couple of years and really becoming somewhat of a competition. It would take some situation like that, like a billionaire, Limitless pockets, paying huge contracts, bringing over the best talent he could, putting on great fights and shows. And then maybe if they're consistent with that for like 20 years, maybe they could compete with the UFC. But I just don't see it. Not not in the foreseeable future anyway, dude. So RSP, what a great question, my dude. Thank you so much. All right, let's get to our next one. comes from Jamal, the son of McTavish, otherwise known as our homie, the king, Cyrus King. Cyrus or Jamal, son of McTavish. What do you got this week, brother?
1: Islam versus Bronx. How do you think that matchup goes?
0: Dude, I love this matchup so much. Uh, Not only for the outstanding striking that I think we would see on display uh, from both guys, but I'm so interested to see the scrambles and the transitions that are going to happen when Islam and Charles hit the floor, because you know it's going to. Uh, Particularly Charles on bottom, throwing up his crazy submissions, being able to twist himself around and put himself in position to either choke you out or to get a limb. And I think Islam is really, really strong at 155. And I think his top game is really strong. So I would wanna see that. I wanna see the you know, the back and forth off off, off their backs. I'm really looking forward to it, dude. Right now, and I think of some of its recency biases, because we've seen Charles look so good, not just last night, but just you know recently. And he's been fighting the better competition than Islam, right? I'm leading towards, I'm leading towards New Bronx right now, but that's absolutely subject to change. You know? so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Cyrus at Combat Corner. It's a fantastic show. It's not just about MMA. There's food, there's organized crime, there's sexual stuff. Hot passes. <laughs> Yeah, also known him. as the hot pass. He, right. <laughs> we love him. He's been our brother and a big friend of ours for, uh, for a long time. So we love you, Cyrus. Thank you so much. Jamal. All right. Let's get into my home with the doc with the next turner question. Doc, what do you got this week? My brother.
1: With Tony suffering such a catastrophic KO last night. Is there any chance we see him come back as the high level performer? Tony had been previously.
0: Well, dude, unfortunately the short answer is No, um, If we're all being honest with ourselves, Tony has not been the same Tony that we wish he was for his last several fights. He had it. He had a pretty good first round. I mean, it wasn't like he got dominated. It wasn't like he looked like he was out of place or he looked a step slow. He looked pretty good in that first round Um until he didn't. You know what I mean? And <laughs> he gets starched, and when you get starched like that, it's a way. It, it's a way you could look for the w- the w- way out, right? That's first of all. You could look for that being like, well. I can't, you know, risk that. I can't risk my health anymore and I need to go. I don't think he's going to do that. I think Tony we're going to see Tony Ferguson fight again. Is he going to be gun shy? I think a little bit. You know, we all know Tony's kind of crazy and out there and but when you get into that cage and the lights are on and like you just had this horrible, you know, experience, it's going to play on his mind and it's going to be it's going to make him, I think, be a little bit more reserved. Be a little bit more less willing to, you know, to engage in a firefight. And I just don't think, I don't think we would have seen the, the Tony of old anyway, you know, moving forward, even if that didn't happen. But since it did, I think it's definitely going to change how he fights moving forward. And again, I'd like to see him fight a couple more times. You know what I mean? But not, not at the highest of high levels at 155. It just, it's not there anymore. And I think coming back from a KO like that, man, you really got to take a step down in competition and yeah, fight a little bit more reserve style moving forward. So that's my answer on that one. Doc. Great question. All right, Drea, that's it for our Twitter questions. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. And our first one comes from, again, my homie, the RSP. RSP, what do you got this week, dude?
1: Rhino, my man. It's your pal, Rage and Sweet Potato, from out east, Canada Way. After watching the Blagoivanov versus Dilema fight, I got to thinking, is being a fat, sloppy heavyweight the best defense for body shots? Keep up the great work,
0: guys. (laughs) I don't know if it's the absolute best defense for body shots, but it certainly seems to work for some guys, right? then as it pertains to like the shots around just that pertains just to shots around the midsection because fat, skinny, shredded, otherwise any body type, you take a hard shot to the liver, dude, you are going fucking down. But on the other side of the coin, if you're carrying a really big belly, odds are your cardio isn't where it needs to be. So, It's a give-and-take, you know know what I mean? It's it's a double-edged sword. I don't think having a fat belly is necessarily the best defense for body shots, but it does seem to work for some dudes. So, yeah, as long as they're not hitting the liver or, like, that floating rib and they're just hitting, like, the bread basket, you're you're in pretty good shape. So thank you very much, RSV. All right, our next one comes from the homie Ty the Fly Guy, our Denver Broncos-loving homie. Ty, what do you got this week, my brother? Hey, Rhino Andrea. It is Ty, the Denver
3: Broncos loving fanatic. Hmm. I'm trying to wrap my head around it, but in my honest opinion, UFC 274, excuse me, was probably the mo- one of the most lackluster pay-per-view main cards I have seen in my years of watching the UFC. So with that being said, my question for you this week is, what are your top five worst pay-per-view main cards in UFC history? Let me know what you think. Love the show. And I'll catch you all later. Peace.
0: Hey, buddy. So yeah, five is a little bit much for me to try and sift through, but I'll definitely tell you my biggest letdown of a pay-per-view of all time was, as far as the overall main card. And that was UFC 200, dude. I was so hyped up for it. I was looking forward for looking forward to it for weeks. The Aldo versus Frankie fight was just kind of like, eh. The DC versus Anderson fight, uh, granted, Anderson took it on super short notice, but still, man, that sucked, at least from, from my perspective, when I was expecting a much better fight, obviously. Um, then, of course... Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt was a snooze fest, which then later became a no contest due to Brock popping. So again, then you get to the main event, which I'm like, okay, okay. A lot of these fights have been really boring. They weren't really good. There wasn't my, you know, there wasn't the violence that I so craved. But then I was like, okay, Amanda and Misha, they're going to have a war and they're going to go all five and it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be this and that and the other. And then very quickly, Amanda (laughs) subbed, um, subbed Misha in that one. So yeah. UFC 200 was a major letdown for me, bro. And so, yeah, that's that's definitely my answer on that one. All right, so let's go get into our third uh, voice question, which again comes from my homie Ty the Fly Guy. Ty, what do you got for this one, brother? Hey, Rhino Andrea, it's Ty again. I just
3: thought of one more question for you so you get a double for me this week. Does this loss for Rose Namunas impact her legacy a bit? Because I was thinking about it, and when she won the title, she would beat the person she took the title from, and I think both, both times were a split decision, and then she would go on to lose her next fight. So, is there some way to legitimate, legitimize, excuse me, if I can't speak, uh, Rose Namiyun's legacy in the UFC? Let me know what you think. Once again, I love the show. And thank you once again for taking another question.
0: All right. For real this time. Peace. 1,000% yeah, dude. Anytime a champion goes out there and lays an egg, like it never completely goes away. It's the other side of the coin. When you have the belt and you are revered and praised for being the best in your division, and you go out there and put on a fucking super lackluster performance, it stays with you. So if you lose the title in a barn burner, I think that's something that, the fans are far more forgiving of, but when you go out there and not only do you perform poorly, but it's a it's a very boring fight. It's a fight where everyone kind of questions what you're even doing in there. That can really harm your legacy. So we have the we have to have this conversation because it's the same as the other side of things, right? Rose had the beautiful flying armbar in Adicta. She had the incredible fight with Joanna Young jacek with the left hook, you know, TKO to ground and pound. And then you had the, you know, the high kick to Wei Li Zhang. So, when you praise her and you have to give her the credit where credit is due, you also have to look at the bad side, the negative side, the downside of putting on a poor, a poor performance. So, yeah, I do think it stays with you forever, man. I, again, does this tarnish her legacy to the point where Walt Rose sucks? No. She's a great fighter. She's a phenomenal fighter. She just had a really bad performance. She needs to have a comeback of like epic proportions for their next performance. So that is my answer on that one. Thank you very much. Ty, for asking too this week, my dude. All right, Dre, Let's go ahead and get into our homie juice from the friendly sparring pod juice. What do you got this week?
3: Hey, what's up, Rhino? Got a question for you. I know you're uh, on a road trip today after after the show to go to Kansas City. And first of all, hope it goes well hope the hope the show goes well meaning invicta but i want to ask you what are your what are some of your go-tos for for road trips and and by that i mean you know when i do a road trip some of the essentials that you got to have like you got to have a good playlist or like certain cd's you're planning on playing depending on how your audio situation is set up in your car uh, and you got to have snacks and drinks right especially depending on the length of the road trip so what, what's, uh, what's the music you're going to rock out to on this road trip, and uh, what are you bringing snack-wise? Get at me.
0: Great question, my guy. <clears throat> so first and foremost, the playlist is mostly metal, including Pantera, Metallica, The Butcher Babies, Gojira, Aben Amarth, Black Sabbath. There's definitely some weekend mixed in there, right? Some 80s pop. Of course, several MMA pods, a couple boxing pods. And then you got to rock a comfy fit. If you're going to be in the car for a long time on a road trip and We're going, like, over 10 hours. (laughs) It's going to be a long one. It's going to have a comfy fit. So definitely something like sweatpants and, like, a nice comfy shirt. That's good. Uh, As far as snacks, for me, dude, it's real easy, broski. Trail mix with granola, raisins, peanuts, some type of chocolate, you know, uh, some sunflower seeds, lots and lots of trail mix. Huge fan of that on road trips. As far as drinks go, you know already, homie, I'm an iced tea junkie. So it would be lots of the uh, Lipton pure leaf with lemon and then definitely some vitamin waters. The triple X variety is my favorite with the acai berries. <laughs> yeah, that's my answer on that one, Juice. Of course, check out Juice at the friendly sparring pod with him and Leo. It is great stuff. All right, fam, let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with LFA middleweight Dylan, the Minus Hulk Butka. After a quick word from our sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at KR Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, kandrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, everybody out there the Rhino game, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds with Rhino. This week is my man, one of my favorite fucking, one of my favorite nicknames I've ever read, heard, seen, or otherwise, the mindless Hulk, Dylan Budka, has joined us today to go 10 rounds with Rhino. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Thank you for having me, bro. Oh, uh, dude, Midwest love all around from Detroit down to Ohio, baby. We're in. So, dude, the first round with the Rhino is always the same for the fighters. We love to hear that origin story, the background story. How about you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude?
2: Um, So, pretty much, I was a wrestler at Notre Dame College, and uh, I was grinding there for a little bit, trying to figure out my way in the wrestling world, and uh, I ran into a few guys that went to Demolition Fight Team, and they started introducing me to a few other people, and they started telling me I could do a little bit of damage in this game. And, uh... Right when COVID hit, I was, uh, in a sticky situation in Baltimore and I was, uh, actually homeless and, uh, my coach, that's my, still my coach right now who said all the stuff that's happening and planned all this out for me said, come live in this gym. And I was living in the gym for the past, uh, year and
0: a half to two years. Wow, dude. So how'd you make the transition from, uh, are you from Ohio or are you from Baltimore? I'm from Baltimore city. Oh, okay. Um, so your last fight was three, uh, just three weeks ago or so at LFA uh, 129 versus T Cummings. You won that by second round RNC. That kind of, you know, brought on the signing a multi-fight deal with the LFA. Ideally, bro, when would you like to get back into the cage?
2: Oh, man, I'm, I, I told them I want to get my whole uh, three fights this year. I signed a three-fight deal. I wanted to get all of them this year. Uh, I've been pretty active. I already had four fights in four months. Um, and a, as an amateur, I fought, uh, nine amateur bouts in MMA and 12 in boxing. I also did jujitsu tournaments all in 2021. Uh, I like to say really active. Uh, this is all I do. I do it full time and it's, I love it, man. I'm trying to get to the big show
0: as quick as possible and, uh, take off all them top guys who think they run the middleweight class. Hell yeah, dude. Now you preface that perfectly because now people don't maybe not understand you're only 22 years old. And while you're only four fights into your pro career, like you just mentioned, you got a long amateur career. You got a lot, you have boxing, uh, in the amateur division for a long time as well. So you're very seasoned and experienced for someone who looking at someone with just, you know, what you think would be just four fights. Um, what made you think or kind of know? Because I didn't see I didn't turn pro until I was like 29 years old because I need you know, I got into it late. I got I need a little bit more seasoning. But I think you are ready to rock and roll, dude. But how did you know you were ready to turn pro? Um,
2: When I realized I was ready to turn pro, when uh, the competition at the amateur level uh, started getting a little too easy and. Uh, the the finishes were coming a little too easy, I knew I, I know I grind harder than 98 percent of this. At my weight class, in this fight game, I, I do three, four-time practices a day. Different type of techniques. I travel to gym to gym. And uh, I told my coach, uh, I trust him a lot. And I told him whenever he's ready, I'm, I'm ready. Just believe, I believe that he knows when I'm ready. So it was more of my coach's say, but I believe anything he says. So he said,
0: I think you're ready. And I said, I think I'm ready, too. Well, the proof is in the goddamn pudding, bro, because you're off to a fucking fantastic start. So you won <laughs> fights by submission, by KO, by decision. So you've had a pretty extensive, like I said, amateur c- career, and then now you're working into your pros. Is there a fight or two fights maybe that stick out to you? Is like, oh, I-, I love that fight. I love reflecting on that fight. I like the way I performed, how I trained for it. Does anything stick out for you like that, dude? Um, so
2: my second professional fight, it was my first cut to 85, and I did it actually in a week. Uh, I was 25 pounds overweight because I tried. So I was bouncing back before, between weight classes because nobody would fight me. Uh, I was doing local, trying to do local shows before I got on fight pass and, uh, nobody was really going. So I was trying to take whatever came just to get some wins on my record and just be able to get in the cage because, uh, there's a lot of pussies out there in this fight game too. So, uh, I, I was up at heavyweight and then we got the call down and he was like, Hey, we got a matchup for you against a good opponent. Uh, if you can make 85 and I made, I cut 25 pounds in six days and then I went the distance with him and it, it just, uh, It it changed me as a fighter to know, one thing, not to let my weight get that big again if I'm going to fight 85, and two, that some of these fights, I'm really going to have to grind it out, and uh, that was the first one where I had to grind it out, and the fight right after that, I fought a week later, I knocked a dude out in nine seconds, that was a crazy-ass feeling, and then the best feeling I had was winning on LFA, honestly, that it didn't really kick in until the next day that I just won on Fight Pass, and um, only a year and a half, I won my first pro fight on Fight Pass, And, uh, that was a crazy feeling. It's an awesome feeling. And I felt like the man that night.
0: Hell yeah, dude. As you should. Uh, so that, like I, like I mentioned in the intro, dude, I, I'm a big nickname fan. I love, you know, various nicknames and there's too many cookie cutter ones in the, in the grand landscape of MMA, right? There's a million pit bulls. There's a million Spartans, bulldogs, naturals, what have you. There is no other mindless Hulk. Can you tell (laughs) us where that nickname came from and who gave it to you, bro? Um, so when I was in high school,
2: I used to kind of like, uh, black out when I wrestled and I would get really angry and just slam people. So, uh, the newspaper in my hometown called me the Hawk and I started off as the Hawk and then, uh, I went on and went on. And like you said, everybody has the same nicknames. I know people have been called the Hawk, all types of stuff like that. So I kind of came up with a thing of like being mindless and being able to push through anything keep going and I went with the mindless Hawk and it just stuck with me and everybody's loves it since then. So now I got it tatted on my back. So it has to stay.
0: Hell yeah, dude. And I think that's a great marketing fucking aspect as well. Like there's going to be some merch coming along the line, the line of the mindless Hawk, which I will for sure get a fucking t-shirt of my dude. We are, we are all, we are all fans first. Like I said, you know, I had a really long pro career. I fought for 13 years professionally, but for the whole 20 years or plus before that, I was just a big fan of combat sports. That's what 99.9% of us are before we start to do it. We're fans of it. Can you tell us some of the fighters that you were a big fan of when you first got into the UFC and really first got into MMA? Um, the big, my biggest
2: uh, fighters that I watch and that I have trained, like studied their film, is uh, Peter Yan and Justin Gaethje. I study all their uh, techniques and uh, how they just push the pace. I also like Khabib. I like uh, GSP. Uh, those are the main guys I study. I've also been studying a lot of Demetrius Johnson, just Switching up between weight classes and um, trying to be the quicker middleweight for the future and uh, try to change the game at that weight class because there's not many people that can move like me there.
0: Absolutely, dude. When you watch film on you, that's one thing that really stands out is that – you know, you are a big 185er, dude. Obviously, because you you know you came down from heavyweight originally, but you're a big cut up 85 a- 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 er and your movement—it's got to come from the wrestling. I'm sure some of it is just natural, but the wrestling, the explosion, the you know the the, the way you push through a single leg and a double leg, and, and just your bouncing back and forth, the ability to create space quickly at 85 is something you don't normally see. So everybody, check out my man, the the mindless Hulk when he's in the cage, because it is so interesting and fun to watch an 85er and be able to move like. That this dude it's badass so
2: (laughs) thank
0: you oh you're very welcome dude so if this is this is a question i've been asking fighters just over the past maybe six weeks or so and i've been completely fascinated by some of the answers now you're a very young guy so you know this may not be a little bit more difficult for you but i think you might have an idea if you weren't a fighter if fighting wasn't an option if there was no such thing as fighting what is another interest that you have that you could see yourself doing like career-wise uh uh, I know it's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> Damn.
2: Uh, I feel like I'd be working with people or something like. Uh, I'm good at talking to people and uh, maybe helping like kids with disabilities or something because uh, they use I I get along with them pretty good. I, I actually work with a lot of them in the gym and I help them and they all usually connect with me. So. I feel like that would be something that I would I would be work, working with people or something.
0: Absolutely, dude. That's, ex- that's exactly what I do. I work in uh, special ed. So that's a fantastic fucking answer. Awesome. I love it. Oh, absolutely, dude. So this will be a good one for you for sure, dude. Away from the cage, away from training, away from the sport completely. What are some things you like to do for fun, dude? Are you a gamer? Are you an outdoorsman? What are some things that the Mindless Hulk likes to do to ease his mind?
2: Uh, I actually like collecting shoes. I've been getting into that a little bit.
0: Sneakerhead. head?
2: <laughs> yeah, like like retro Jordans. I got, I almost got every pair of eleven and um and ones right now, and uh, the professional checks are helping me get them a little bit more easier. So, um, and also I like doing hiking stuff and uh,
0: watching a lot of movies and of
2: course eating food when I'm out in fight camp.
0: Beautiful, dude. <laughs> Round nine is one that people love to fucking, and I love it too. But man, my fan, my the people listening to my show, dude, they love this one. So this is the you already won the fight training camp is over you've been really cutting weight you've been taking care of like what you put into your body but now dude it's time to throw down you can have whatever you want to eat you can really indulge what are you getting and where are you getting it from
2: first thing every time after a fight is a 40 piece chicken nugget a large fry a mcflurry and a big mac and then from there from there on it's a wrap with chinese food pizza this last one i actually had a cheesecake waiting for me in my hotel from one of my buddy's businesses and it was so good me and my coach usually get some type of sweets and eclairs and stuff and uh i gotta have cherry sours too because they're good too oh that sounds fucking
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah dude we've actually worked our way all the way to the 10th round bro now this is the easiest round of them all just share your social medias dude so everybody you know um listening today they can kind of follow you along in your career we're all super stoked to watch you in your next fight so just share your social medias with us dude uh
2: instagram it's uh dylan uh, the mindless hawk uh facebook it's dylan the mindless hawk butka twitter it's dylan butka 83 kgs i'm pretty sure that's it and uh that's all the social medias i got and i appreciate y'all listening today
0: Oh, absolutely, dude. We are super stoked to, to get this out to the people so they can get on board uh, with the, on the Mindless Hulk team. Uh, Dylan, we we are super stoked. We love when we find a prospect right where you're at, dude, where we know what we see as far as potential and as far as the great success that we think is coming your way down the road. We really appreciate you taking the time to go 10 rounds with Rhino today, and good luck on your career moving forward. We'll definitely have you back on the show down the road.
2: Thank you for having me, brother. This is Dylan, the Mindless Hulk, Butka, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino.
0: Dylan, man, that was awesome. We had such a great time having you on the show, dude. Can't wait to see what's up for you next. You are a total rising star, not just in the LFA promotion, but we think you're going to be a big name in the not-too-distant future, my dude. So thank you very much. All right, let's go ahead and give our shout-outs and our outros to our forum contributors, to the Raising Sweet Potato, times two. To Ty the Fly Guy, also, times two. To Jamal, the son of McTavish, also known as, to us, as Cyrus King. To my (laughs) broski, the doc to Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, to all my PRG homies, to my underdog MMA fam, Jason, Monica, Chrissy, Jillian, and Katie, Chris from over there at Unmatched MMA, Miss Fight Diva, Marquise from Sauce Radio, Brat, Mike from Shots Fired, Ashley from the Solo Pod, of course, to the feature player, Drea, to d Reigns, the best in the biz, to the fucking graphic designer of all graphic designers, the Einstein of Graphic Design, Dave Fretz. You can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram, at Dave Fretz. The best graphic designer there is in the game. I don't know what else to say about him. We're another fantastic fire poster this week, my dude. I hope everybody has a good week this week. It's going to be a busy one for the old Rhino. We're looking forward to it. I will be covering Cage Side and Invicta 47. Really looking forward to it. As always, forever and ever, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Kate Side.